What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Love Music More. I am Scubert Dubert, and I joined with an awesome guest, Dominic Falacaro. We are going to be talking all sorts of music, Broadway, Tonys, Grammys, all of the adaptations and arrangement and just wonderful parts of what you do with music that's so different than what I do. So I'm just so excited to pick your brain. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too, Dom. So I would love to just kind of kick it off with talking about your musical journey. How did you end up kind of in the world that you're in with arranging and working with Broadway and stuff? What, what, was, the, what was the path that led you into that very interesting musical space? So it's been sort of a like uh, winding and sort of like say yes to life sort of approach. Cool. I mean, I yes. uh, started playing piano. I studied classical piano for a number of years. I got into jazz music in high school and then I studied it and came to New York to go to college to study it in New York City. And uh, from there, leaving college and even during college, it was sort of like a hodgepodge of just play every gig possible, do whatever you can to to like stay here and subsist on a life of music. And it was everything from, uh, you know, playing club dates and gigs to uh, private events and like whatever cocktail hour needed jazz piano and doing that. And then cool. I really found a passion of being in the recording studio and I really loved producing music and being with artists and I just became infatuated with it. And through that, I really started to uh, go from more like uh, fronting bands to being yeah, involved in the, in, in the studio and producing. And through that, um, I worked with an artist named Tim Kubart, who was very passionate about children's music. Great. And awesome. uh, through that, uh, we made a number of records together. Uh, one of those won a Grammy in 2016. And through that, we started writing music for Sesame Street. And through that, I met my now longtime collaborator, Bill Sherman, uh, who supervises music, uh, uh, music on Sesame Street. And he told me uh, about this musical with Max Martin. And I, it's just been, you know, I, I had never had any uh, aim necessarily for Broadway specifically, but working with Max was a no brainer of no brainers. And totally. like, it's led me on this like seven year journey of sort of learning the ins and outs of theater. And it, it's been amazing. It's sort of been all of my sort of like development, uh, all of the skills that used to happen separately all have to kind of get combined together to do what Anne Julia is on Broadway. So it's been a, a fantastic journey. That's so awesome. That's a super great recap. Let's dig into a few of those individual points. I would love to um, kind of hear about your take on children's music and kind of yeah. what is, how do you approach that creative process with, with such a specific audience? Yeah, definitely. It's such an interesting medium because it's a, it, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that yeah. Uh, it's one of the few kinds of music that will remain timeless. Like there's no, there there will always be children and <laughs> there will always be the need for music for them. And so on one hand, you have this like infinity sort of like relevance, which other genres and other things, things may come and go and you have totally. to sort of find your own routes through that sort of relevance. Uh, and on the other hand, your audience turns over every, I don't know, two, three, however many years, uh -huh. like they're, they're, they're no longer interested in what that is. And, you know, I met my, uh, now longtime friend, Tim Kubart, uh, doing it. And again, children's music wasn't necessarily something that was an aim of mine, but Tim was very passionate about it. And it wasn't, 
a means to an end. It wasn't a springboard to go elsewhere. It was something like he wanted to deliver this music to kids and also wanted to kind of find a way of straddling the line of bringing pop music into that space and bringing like trying to marry like very genuine songwriting and very like um, meaningful themes of uh, family and home and other things, but also make it sound like what they uh, kids are used to listening to. And the goal being like, what whatever your like older sibling is, their music that you're trying to like sort of leech onto with sort of messages that are that are relevant. And it's both music for kids and music about being a kid too. And so okay. I think there there is sort of like a uh, Pixar split of age gap where it's like it is for here but like if you're really listening it's up here too and like all those things yes. sort of firing together made me very interested in it it was just a unique project like like nothing else and it's been amazing uh like it has opened so many interesting doors and we've made so much great music together and done so many cool things from playing Lollapalooza to like uh, just uh, all sorts awesome. of other stuff in it and Sesame Street which is just like uh outrageous sort of thing to be able to totally. do like all of a sudden you write something down and then Elmo is singing it like who, yes. who you know who would have thought that's so awesome. No, and and it's it's fun to think about because music is, as a child, music is so important to your development and kind of the, uh, you know, my one of my friends just had kids and that's all he does. He just sings like all day the songs that he learns from children's music. It's like what an impact that you have on on somebody's life to be able to provide music for that. That's really cool. Yeah, it can be so big. I mean, it's everywhere. It's yeah. ubiquitous. I mean, music, it really makes you attuned to how like... Uh, kind of steeped it, mm. uh, a child is in that and like your brain is so squishy then and like seeking uh -huh. new things and yeah it's an important sort of like vessel and thing to be able to provide sort of that kind of like uh yeah no no shade to anything else but like to try and really give like a a meaningful dish of both message and like uh, a certain kind of music to that audience as well has it changed the way that you listen to children's music now that you you make it Definitely. I also really respect that, like, uh, being exposed to the genre, so much of uh, children's music is independent artists. I mean, there obviously mm. is the large umbrella on that exists under Disney, and that's its sort of, like, own thing. But, like, mm -hmm. so much of children's music that, like, exists both locally and nationally is independent artists just doing their thing because they want to do it and it's like cool. it's either someone that's been passionate for a long time that's been channeling this or someone that became a parent is like there is a void here and i want to yeah. fill it and like yeah it's just an interesting world of like passionate people um and i think I, i'm always drawn to people that are kind of uh yeah kind of seeking that out and like t trying to deliver that like really you know have a real reason to put it out in the world and it's it to me i like when it i can treat it no different than any other artist project it's just like let's really like i have something to say and it needs to go here and this this lane just happens to be for children and it's been such an interesting kind of world to learn about yeah yes no totally i mean one of the the things I remember um, hearing at early high school or junior high or something, it was um, Jack Johnson did the soundtrack to Curious George. And that was like mm -hmm. a little light bulb for me of like, hey, this genre can be really cool. Like there is a there yes. is a way to do this that is awesome and, and artistically yeah. satisfying for sure. Yeah. And I also, I mean, kids are very smart. And also yeah. now you're competing with the blue light of cell phones from a young age. It's <laughs> right. like, you gotta like, like there their smell test of like what is good or what is genuine is pretty like cool. robust. Cool. And so I think it is like, yeah, like 
that that project of Curious George kind of mm-hmm. has relevance because it is sort of operating at a certain kind of wavelength. It is like very genuine and like heartfelt. Um, you know, there's a million different versions of the wheels on the bus, but like, mm-hmm. can you kind of say your own sort of thing through it? And people have found mm-hmm. lots of different niches in that. It's a, it's an mm-hmm. interesting space. That is, that definitely is. And, um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you, how do you see what the odd, like, do you focus group it or do you show it to kids? Like, do you, do you, how do you kind of get that, that feedback loop? I'm super curious. I mean, there is nothing like a live audience of children. Cool. I mean, yeah. we played, I mean, Lollapalooza, the Kennedy Center, like so many interesting kind of places, but like also you play an outdoor thing and you're next to the bouncy house and like, <laughs> you, good luck competing with that. Like, good <laughs> luck. Totally. Uh, and like, if they don't want to dance, then there's something happening. You know, you can't like mm-hmm. force these, these moments. So you sort mm-hmm. of like, that is the ultimate sort of like focus group, uh, cool. testing, cool. whatever is like, it has to work on its feet and you sort of like, yeah, you develop this material that translates uh, in that way. And there's definitely also songs that we build for the records only. And then certain things where it's like, Oh, this will be great up on its feet live and we'll open it up and like kind of make it more call and response or other sorts of things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like that's a lot of like learning by, by doing it's been very, yeah. Like you, 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 you make records and it is sort of like a go out into the world and, and, and try it out. Cool. I really, that's super fascinating. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, in in terms of your your then your then journey to uh, working on and and uh, and and Juliet um, with Max Martin's source material and translating that into uh, you know a narrative and adding strings and in I I was watching one of your interviews talking about how adding those strings and, and pulling out some of that emotion and, and adding that narrative to it. How do you then approach now a very different medium? Um, but still same underlying things. You have great source melodies that are that are known, but you also have to have it stand on its own feet. From, from the jump. What 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 did you, what you know, you get that challenge. How do you start to internalize yeah. that? What's your process? One of the cool yeah, one of the coolest, coolest things is that the this this gig, this project came into my life mm-hmm. and was immediately sent like all the multi-tracks, all the stems to everything. So it was like the dream grad school I could have never even imagined is like, how would you like to listen to the bass on Hit Me Baby One More Time? How would you like to solo the vocals on Teenage Dream? It's like, I would would love to do that. Yes. Um, And so really uh, delving as deep as one can go into the source material. And like, Mm -hmm. it was important to me to sort of know it better uh, you know, than than anyone in the room to be able to like be like, oh, like if we're you know if we're doing this song, like here is the melody, here are the things that are important to that melody, here are the counter lines, here's the other things that is the bedrock of this song that supports it. I think early on in the orchestration part of it, Bill and I learned we did we were able to we were very fortunate to do a um, like a music lab where we were able to set a band up in a recording studio and sort of like play what we were thinking for Max because cool. like here's all this stuff played by human beings in a room like what yeah. do you think like yes you know it, it's it's a it's a body of music that's unbelievable and so celebrated uh but most of it lives inside of a computer and now right. you need to execute it with human beings yes. uh and we learned really quickly that if we were gonna uh go close to the source material let's go all the way and we're working with someone that 
remembers the synthesizer preset that remembers all these yes. other things. And if we want to get, uh, not to get too granular, but like, it, you know, it, whatever plugin is on this thing, we're, we're using it. Like we're, cool. we're, we're really like trying to do as good faith effort to be as close as possible. When we start, it's my life. It's not sort of kind of the talk box. It is the exact talk box. It cool, is yes. like, you know, to, to do it exactly, exactly right. And then he encouraged us. It's like, if we're going to go far, like really swing big, go really far. And so when we do baby one more time, when we do teenage dream, I mean, teenage dreams, we take what, you know, as that like iconic, uh, guitar intro and it's like mm -hmm. how would it feel in pizzicato strings and totally. like as very like uh like very small as possible mm -hmm. and uh sort of like walking that kind of pendulum from song to song and moment to moment you're sort of letting the story guide you in those decisions but it was cool because when we wanted to go close we could lean on max we could go back into the stems we could find the things that we needed and if we wanted to go far we had uh, we have an amazing band at, mm -hmm. at, at, at our disposal and we can use our strings we can use all these all, all these instruments to kind of deliver us these sounds did you uh audition that band how, how does that work in terms of like kind of getting your players so it is uh uh, on Broadway and in the West End in, in the UK where we put it up, you sort of, you have a music contractor that is able to sort of help you fill the gaps. You know, cool. there are certain people that I knew going in and was like, I would love for, uh, this person to play drums. I would love for this. And then for other things, you get sent names or recommend recommendations and you do your sort of due diligence to kind of think, uh, find who would be a best fit. And we're so, so lucky to have, we had an amazing band in London, we have an incredible band uh, in in New York, and yeah, could could not be better. That's really awesome. Yeah, so you, it's it, it's some of you, and then some help elsewhere, and then what's the, the also the other layer is um, you need very deep coverage for all these seats. You know, eight shows a week is quite a grind. So yes. each seat needs uh, so many subs, cool. and yeah. like working out that system of. Um, this and this was all new to me kind of coming from the outside in and sort of, of learning the like how to maintain your chair and as a music director how to sort of supervise the band on a night-to-night -night basis when it's like at a certain point it's like oh different basses tonight different cellists huh. tonight like different drummer let's let's make sure that everyone's on the same page musically or you know, uh, it's a guitarist, a substitute guitarist. It's their first show. What are mm -hmm. the extra cues and like a little bit of TLC mm -hmm. that I can give them to make sure that these musical moments kind of go smoothly. And it, that's a whole other sort of facet of the night to night sort of maintenance of the job. That And that's actually, I'd love to talk more about that as, as like musical director, are you, um, are you playing or are you just focusing on kind of like conducting cueing or yeah. what, what is, what is your role exactly? So for Julia, and I think more and more Broadway is moving in this direction, is that I, I play piano. I am mm -hmm. the keys one player. I mm -hmm. have a, like most, I have two keyboards in front of me. One is mostly a piano so that I can be very nimble and respond in real time to sort of whatever's happening. And any, all sorts of hodgepodge of sounds live on my top one, whether it's organ or strings or synthesizers, so many different things. Yes. Um, and... Uh, so I am both sort of like, I, I keep describing it as like the, like used car dealership, like inflatable <laughs> guy. Like you have to embody the time in your body yeah. so much because I can't always 
stick wave, as it were. Right. Um, so I am playing. I'm responsible for firing the click to make sure that, like, we're, you know, so much of pop music lives very much on a grid. And uh, and so both, you know, I, I describe my rig as sort of a spaceship. I have my keyboards in front of me. I have a uh, screen of the show in front of me. I have my sheet music. I have a computer over here that is... Uh, like responsible for running the tracks, and then I have a computer over here that is responsible for running my sounds. Cool. It is it is a very like robust and hearty setup, but all of that like it the the core of it is playing the piano through all of that. Yeah, and then in terms of like eyeline for the rest of the musicians, how how are you oriented? Are are you like looking over your shoulder and cueing stuff, or are they in front of you? So I'm 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 fairly picky, and I was pretty insistent yeah. upon being able to sort of see everyone in like a round sort of like. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a half circle, sort of. Yeah. And uh-huh. so the band sort of like spans around me. The drums are in a isolation booth, like a whisper room, and they're on my like leftmost. And from left to right, it's like our keys two player, our guitarist, our bassist, and then our string section: cello, viola, violin two, violin one. So people sort of wrap around me, and I have I I have the ability to give eye contact to to anyone but i also have in front of me i have a microphone that is just to the band nice uh in so in case i need to yell out like hey we're going around one more time or like yeah, yeah, yeah. any number of things that can happen uh you know in the moment uh and you know for easier eyeline stuff and i mean so much of broadway is built so like redundantly because you need to just be so safe all the time i also yes. have a camera on me so and people have like mini tv screens on top of their music stand so if you if you couldn't get your eye line all the way up to me you still sort of see uh tv me in your peripheral sort of kind of giving tempo and stuff so Mm -hmm. again i mean there's like so many systems for every every sort of thing because yeah you want it to be so stable and so like able to navigate any uh contingency imaginable yeah do you have um like stage manager in your ear or anything like that queuing queuing things or saying like hey this person needs a little bit more time vamp or you know gotcha yeah so i do i mean i have i i also have a mic that goes directly to stage management um (laughs) real time stage management talking Mm -hmm. at least for us i'm sure there could Mm -hmm. be other things uh, other shows that do it differently uh but once we begin an act I no longer have to communicate with stage management unless something is going very wrong and I need to tell them, like, send someone down, uh, The get, you know, so, something's wrong with the guitar cable and we need help. Yeah. Uh, right. Or, like, you know, right. s- some other sort of thing. Uh, but any, like, in the moment, like, this person needs longer, I would say I'm attuned enough to the show and we built through the orchestration systems of vamps and safeties to be like, ooh, this is going to go long we're going like we're going around and i mean again not to get too too granular but like built Mm -hmm. in like musical things in our ableton rig that enable us to be flexible for things going longer or shorter uh and still kind of maintain the linear flow of everything that's great that's super super smart and um you know like you're saying eight eight shows a week um that's just a recipe for stuff happening it's just there's so many shows there's so many opportunities for something unexpected yeah. to come up and then and like it's not even as like drastic as like oh something went wrong but like mm-hmm. it's 
you know, there's there's a robust system of understudies as well. And someone's mm-hmm. timing of one line is just going to be different than someone's timing. Even the same person's timing on a night-to-night basis is different. And so you just need to be so flexible and so, like, in the moment present. I, I also describe it as, like, the, the skill that has helped me develop the most is, like, split brain of, like, that I can both think about playing the show and be like listening upstairs to be like, this is going longer. Like, Mm. like tell them to go, you know, I just the like sort of spidey sense of the timing of the show and to be able to think about those two things simultaneously. Yes. It it, it is a really like, yeah. Octopus brain kind of stuff. (laughs) I mean, there's so many things on a night tonight, you know, you have a new, uh, a new musician that joins the band is someone subbing for the first time. It's like, I'm playing the show. I am uh, thinking about what's upstairs, but it's also like, oh, I need to remind, take a note that like they should come in earlier, that that needs to be played louder. And so like mm-hmm. the amount of mm-hmm. like misspelled iPhone notes that I have of yes. like, uh, like uh, giving sort of notes and guidance to, to band members is also part of it too. So it's like, you need to be s- super present, but also able to like really split your attention in a number of different ways at a, at a time. That's so fascinating. And it, it, uh, it makes sense that you're a jazz player, too, because I feel like the, <laughs> the best jazz musicians are able to do that split brain stuff where they can be reacting to very complicated stuff that's happening all around the, um, you know, ar- arrangement or improvisation. And yeah. then also be able to think in terms of improvisation themselves and building on complex structures. Definitely. But being in the moment, all of those things. That's that's the that's the beauty of yeah i found that like the that skill set of like Uh being steeped in jazz has been like so useful on like a moment to moment kind of playing thing because of that exact thing that you're talking about of like that you're able to so like respond and regurgitate in real time Uh and like that that's so steeped into what that culture is and it's interesting because uh it's so helpful uh with like the music directing side of it but also um it is a you know it is a such a large vocabulary music wise that you also need to be able to like turn on and off at at, Mm. uh depending on the moment because certain times those expensive chords are very useful and certain times it's like hey this is four chords in the truth and we just got to lay it down like Mm -hmm. really really simple here and so like that that skill set is sometimes very useful and also sometimes very dangerous and so like navigating that has also been a part of this too of like and you know you're working with someone that hears every nuance and every detail and like you know being uh being able to be on the fly with like this voicing of this chord and this voicing of this thing makes these things speak correctly is definitely a part of it cool yeah that that that, i'd love to hear more about that so when you're when you were bouncing ideas off of Max with arrangement and, you know, somebody that, yeah, can hear everything and is hyper, hyper aware of um, these hit songs because they've made them millions and millions of dollars and changed the world. Um, and you're twisting some of them on their head and, and moving stuff over here. Um, how is that I, actually before it actually how it happened? How did it feel to be like pitching an idea to somebody like, hey, I, I, I tweak this. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think early on, it did seem a little bit daunting. Yeah. Um, where it's like, can can we do this? Yes. Is this is this allowed? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. should we be should we even be doing this? They're already perfect. Like, what like <laughs> what what are we gonna say that like he hasn't said? This, yes. These songs work for a reason. 
Uh, but I also think through working with Max and him being just the nicest person on the planet, Great. found out really quickly that it's like a best idea wins situation and someone that's so receptive to collaboration. Mm-hmm. And he would be the first to say that like his career is built on collaboration and being uh, in like a very like open running and being a part of a very open kind of room. Uh, one of Max's sort of catchphrases that he imparted to uh, the band and imparted to the cast and stuff like that. And he's like something we say in the room all the time is dare to suck, dare which to is suck. like, yes, <laughs> like really like, and, and that can only happen if you have a room that's receptive to that. And yeah. so he would be the first person to be like, swing big, like try it. Like, uh, cool. and so you have someone that's both capable of encouraging us to make a big decision like that. And slowly you get used to that of like, Hey Max, I like did a thing, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. crazy to even think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also have someone that's like, Oh, I heard I, this is not quite right. Mm-hmm. And like, he's coming down to the, the, the pit and we're tweaking the cutoff on a synthesizer cool. and we're like cool. yeah. delving into those sort of things. So, yeah. I mean, it depends on the circumstance, but it, yeah. And <laughs> I think early on super daunting and then very, very quickly, you just learn to sort of shed those things because it's not useful to the process. Totally. It's just sort of like stand in who you are and your ideas and mm-hmm. contribute those sort of things. And some of those things land and some of those things stick. And then sometimes someone is like, Ooh, maybe that. But also this mm-hmm. and like the sort of like yes and of it all, the like improv troopness yeah, of yeah. it is also very, very helpful. That's very cool. That's and so when you're when you're working on a, a production that is as new as nuanced as you're saying, like a cutoff, which for the listeners, you know, that's the the frequencies that are are coming through the filter. You're you're cutting off some of those frequencies. It's very bad way to describe that you feel free to <laughs> do a better job i'm just trying to give it if somebody doesn't even know what a cutoff uh is yeah i mean it's like this it, it, in broad strokes i would say it's the feeling of a sound that goes from being underwater to sort of like all the way open there you go that's like great. to hearing it from a, uh, like on the other side of a room and then to being in the room with it that's perfect that's a perfect way to or if you're it. in your car and you have the the bass knob and the treble knob and imagine just turning the treble knob all the way down yes yes <laughs> um when so when you're when you're working on on the you know production stuff and you're you're, you're tweaking all of that um did it feel did it really feel like you're producing a record when you you know you're producing for the live but does it, yeah. does it feel like that it feels sort of like a cousin of that and okay. it feels like sort of similar like it always feels like two-thirds of those feelings in different times cool. in different ways because like in the rehearsal room it sort of feels like the version of collaborating with an artist, except it's just at such a large scale because you're bouncing ideas off the director. You're bouncing it mm. off the choreographer. The choreographer says, I want to open this up. They, I need a dance moment. We need yeah, a hit here. Yeah, we yeah. need something here. And so that it, it felt similar to what I knew in the sense of like the very fast pace, like, what if this? What if that? What if that? And being in a room like that. But then the way that it's not like that is that, again, you once you sort of find the thing you like, the clay starts to harden a little bit and you need to maintain the consistency of it because now a hundred people rely on that. Like mm-hmm. you can't just be like riffing to riff for like just sort of mixing it up all the time. It's like, Hey, we, we choreographed these beats to this. Like you can't just make yeah. it up night after night because all of a sudden the dance moves won't look correct. So it's mm-hmm. like sort of kind of yes. And then mm-hmm. the other way uh, that I felt like that is, I mean, we made cast recordings both in London and uh, the U.S. and obviously sitting at a console with Max Martin recording vocals is the <laughs> like everything that you want it to be and more. It's amazing. Yeah, cool. um, but the way that it's also different is like Max has 
made a career of these songs get developed in the room. And so he's like teaching and collaborating in real time with what these final vocal performances end up being. But now you have a room of some of the most skilled, like trained singers ever mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. in to sing these. And now you have Max in a position of like, it, it was, I'll always remember like, like some of those early takes of some of these people singing these songs, they do take one. And you got to remember that like a theater actor you only have one take. That's exactly. what, like it's Every just night, what it's just it is that take. night. Yeah. So they're 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 immersed in a tradition and a mindset where it's like I gotta kill it the first time, and yeah. so like doing a take one with Max where like someone absolutely destroys it because again we spent time with them teaching the music. They know it up and down. It's their like we built this arrangement around them, mm-hmm. and Max just being like. Like, I know I'm supposed to say something here. Like, something is, this is where something goes. And just him sort of, like, looking for the talkback button, being like, I I guess we'll do one more. Like, I guess we should for safety, you know? Like, and, and like, obviously there was moments where we worked on things and other stuff. But, like, it's so different than his usual workflow as well. Um, So, like, it's always, like, some parts, yes, familiar. And then some parts, no, familiar. Because Mm -hmm. it just is its own beast in just every single way uh but i mean it it led to like real bucket list stuff of like on the uk uh cast recording the sort of bonus track was our song one more try being done by jesse j and i got to go to abbey road and track the piano for that like that ended up like that's that's just fantasy camp i mean that's just incredible stuff is like being in yeah being there and like seeing everything and like here's what the Beatles recorded. Here's where <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark recorded. It's like, it, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, like, and for the, U, the US, the bonus track was uh, a version of Since You've Been Gone where Kelly Clarkson sang and duetted with our Julia and the show. I mean, it's just this, the, the stuff that has been able to happen through the like recording side of it is uh, out of this world and so cool and like you're just trying to sponge up all the wisdom from Max that you possibly can. Yes, no, totally. Uh, actually, on that point, any any like tips or, or um, kind of perspectives from that recording process with Max that you, you soaked up and, and you, you'd be willing to share? <laughs> Definitely. I, I I mean, I think the biggest thing, and it sort of seems obvious, and it doesn't even seem like a like a trade secret in any sort of way, yeah. but just imagining sort of the person that's most committed to this yeah. is like really setting up your vocalist for success. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I, you know, we uh, learned and took with us in the recording process and something that I really try to take as an ethos as a music director as well of like really making sure that you set up all these things for the vocalist or actor as it were to have their like best performance where they don't have to like uh, think about these other things. And that in a recording studio, that's down to all the details. That's making sure that someone's there, making sure the mic's the right height. They're not even have to think about that. Someone's mm. that's there, that water is there. And like, like that setting up every sort of thing so that they can, from take one, from like even just warming up, that it's good to go and that you're getting keepers from the start. And like, you know, someone like Max has nothing to prove at all. Like he has every right to be as like, uh, minutia like overbearing Mm -hmm. as possible but instead is like hey i can't even get to that Mm -hmm. if i can't get this person comfortable to be the best version of Mm themselves and i think that uh he facilitates that environment and like 
yeah, the the fact that like Max Martin on Talkback is like making sure that they have exactly what they need cool. yeah. before we start. Yeah. And like I just think that's so of critical, critical importance to to take with you. Um, because how are you gonna get the performance that you want? And I mean this this could go true for if you're recording guitar for by sure. yourself or like a, any number of things that have a microphone in front of them or any show. But I like you can't set yourself up you should set yourself up for success. Like yes. and if you don't, how can you expect to give your best foot forward? And I think that's just something to watch someone at that level maintain it was mm-hmm. very humbling and inspiring at the same time. It's it's, it's very, very just yeah, nice to learn and remember. It's- it, it's great. It resonates with something that a, a guy named Phil, who's the engineer for Rick Rubin's uh, sessions, uh, said. They would they'd show up the day before the you know band even comes. They check everything, get everything all dialed, so the band doesn't even have to deal with that. They come in and they they create. And I, I thought, wow, yeah. what a what a lovely thing. As a and it's the it's the mindset you get into. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. the. It's the difference between staying on your friend's couch and checking into a hotel where right. they say like hello, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they know your name or like I mean uh, it's it's just, it's a it's a different level and I think it, it's it's also something that like dollars to donuts in terms of ratio of like time spent to mm. uh things gleaned is an absolute no-brainer to do. <laughs> Yes. Um, it doesn't take that much work to sort of just like take care of those little details and like, yeah, make sure the patch bay, like the things are right. The last thing a vocalist needs is just get start going. And like all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's like something like, hold on, just hold tight or, for yeah, a second. Like, cables. Yeah. <laughs> like you just can't expect your best. And obviously some of these things become a luxury. I fully recognize that. Like, you know, not every like totally. band that's loading into a van has the luxury of like their own sound tech, like tuning the guitars. Mm-hmm. But I just, even if it's just you out there, like doing that sort of extra level of stuff to ensure your own performance, whether it's just you plugging into GarageBand or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, mm-hmm. to just set yourself up for like a really being in that sort of like performance mindset to be totally. to be there, you know, like that if you're tracking something in, like perhaps your email shouldn't also be open. Like just like really like commit trust ball into that moment and being present in it. And I think it's nice when you have other people that facilitate that. And I consider that part of my job, Mm -hmm. but like, it's just a big part of it, a big part of everything and trying to get the best performance you can. And and there are actionable ways to do it for yourself. Like, like the night before studio thing, say that you're only tracking yourself in your home studio. You can set up all your stuff the night before with the, you know, cup of tea before you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, you start your session, you already did all the work the day before. So you can get the round, hit the ground running, that kind of stuff. I, I try to do that too. Or I don't have a very big space, so that makes it a little easier. But that's part of the reason why I bought this little thing, so that I there you go, boop, boop, yeah. done, you know, ready to ready to cut. Yeah, I also think about it like I know myself mm-hmm. in like certain like laziness slash inertia, call it whatever you want. And yeah. like over the years, I've like built myself some sort of like templates that can like mm-hmm. save me a certain amount of time, where it's like. If I'm in a flow or like grateful enough to be in the room with an artist, the last thing I want to be do is like uh, sifting through stuff or like looking for the thing that I want. It's like, no, like put those things in place. So they're here for me. I have my, like my, my vocal chain set Mm -hmm. up, ready to go, like just ready. And again, that's something that doesn't have to be at like the mega, like ocean way or (laughs) power station, whatever insert legendary studio here that can just be yourself, like set that thing up so that you can just like have your session ready to roll. And I think it's, 
yeah, like anything to reduce the latency between your like idea and your performance and how it how it actually gets marked down or performed outward in front of an audience is time well spent. Yes, totally agree. Completely, completely resonate with that. Um, I'm going to ask you a question um, because this, these are things that I, I've never known and may never know. Um, <laughs> the feeling of uh, getting the Grammy nom- nomination, the feeling of getting the Tony nomination, how do they compare? How are they different? How does it even happen? How do you even find out? You get an email? Does it come in the mail? You get a golden envelope? Like, well, how does that work? Uh, nominations happen. I mean, first of all, it's the, the largest answer is profound gratitude. That's like the easiest full stop. Uh, the logistically is, you know, the day where they announce those things and it's like either some like kind of taped event that's like a live stream that's happening and everyone's refreshing stuff. And then a a thousand (laughs) text messages all come in at once. Uh, uh, but it's, it's amazing. It's so like, There's kind of multiple kinds of affirmation that you sort of seek out when you make stuff. And I mean, the first and I think the biggest thing is like putting out to people. I mean, Mm -hmm. statues and hardwares are very, it's very nice, but like in a vacuum, it doesn't really do anything. You still have to like connect with humans. So like audience, I think is still like such a uh, first and foremost kind of thing. And that's the affirmation that's like the, the strongest. And then the other thing, which, you know, a Grammy, a Tony, these other things are very nice is to see that. Uh, like acceptance and recognition from your peer group, from mm-hmm. people that make it like you. Um, and that's that's really nice because it's with uh, a body of people that know pretty accurately the work that goes in to do that. Yes. And so that's that's also sort of a certain kind of different lane of that affirmation and kind of like, yeah, that really like positive kind of acceptance. Um yeah, it's a, it's amazing to hear a name for that stuff. I mean, it's amazing to hear a name called and go up too. It's it's bananas. I mean, I am a pretty uh, temper my expectations kind of person. So in my wildest dreams, I no, don't think about it. It's just happy to happy to be there. Yeah. Uh, but to to go up is obviously a, a big thrill. Um, when <laughs> I mean, when we won the Grammy in uh, in 2016, like you you sort of like. You're on stage. Uh, Tim gives this like wonderful acceptance speech, which if if you have a second on YouTube, like go find cool. it. He, like yeah, off the dome, like is just giving the most like heartfelt and like beautifully eloquent speech. The rest of the day, we got approached being like, "You guys are the kids, guy." And that was such a good speech. <laughs> oh, um, awesome. And but like you sort of like what's funny, and I don't know. This here's a little insider tip. Uh, you you get that statue, mm-hmm. and someone very nicely shepherds you backstage, and then you give it right back oh. uh, because. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least for the Grammys, I yeah. you know I didn't take the the hardware mm. home for the Tonys, uh, but uh, for the Grammys they're not uh, they're not engraved like mm. because those those um, results are sealed like right. they can't yeah. pre-do it so they're secret. Uh-huh. So you like what's funny is you get handed the one you get the just backstage enough to not be seen and someone's like okay thank you and then there's like a table of Grammys of blank <laughs> Grammys and then the rest of where you go the rest of the day is all blank Grammys because it's like <laughs> step and repeat photo shoots of all these Grammy things, but they're blank. Yes. Um, so really, really funny. That is funny. Uh, but I was in the line. You you sort of end up in this like receiving line okay. as it were. Okay. Uh, and I was with Buddy Guy <laughs> oh and Bella God. Fleck. No way. That's awesome. And it's like, I, I'm freaking out. Yeah. I mean, we just won, which is like wow. obviously in the stratosphere, mm-hmm. like not in the same like gravitational pull anymore. And like, uh, then it's like, oh my God, like talking 
with Bella Fleck. Like, try yeah. keep it together. Yes. Like, uh, it's it, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if I have like a, a uh, necessarily like great answer, but it's just all all things firing all the time. It's all very 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 nice. That's really cool. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you for the behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> behind the scenes look, and that is fascinating. You kind of like you get the Grammy now. You're in this uh, this process now of like you have this yeah. fee you're going over here you're with these people yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting do you, is there yeah. like a is there like a special after party for the people that win or <laughs> is it uh, is it kind of more no i mean that? you there are like definitely like i mean that whole process of like going back and after you've won is its own sort of like space it makes total sense yeah um the best advice I got going into the Grammys, and I think this is probably true for any award show, maybe not the Oscars because I think there are tables, but uh, people are like, bring food. There is bring nothing food. there, and it's a long day. Oh it's a gosh. very long day. So if you watch that Grammy speech, you should absolutely know yeah. that in my pockets are Cliff Bars. Yes. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like that, I, and it was the best advice I got, and it was super true. I mean, super you get there, advice. it's like, the you know, there's the pre-telecast and the uh, telecast yeah. and time in between it. Like, the day starts at, like, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., wow. and then the televised thing is 7 p.m., and there is not food, and you're, like, in this place for so long. Um, so the biggest benefit of getting to win was that there were, I think there was like water and maybe, maybe a bar. I don't remember, but like, like Salvation. just the second to be like, Oh my God, thank you. Like <laughs> sustenance. Your reward. Yeah. You yeah. Grammy um, least sustenance. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then one final question, uh, in sure. terms of, in terms of things that, you know, you find special about music, if somebody was just starting considering picking up an instrument or, or say that they're even, you know, older, like a 70 year old retiree yeah. and they're like, yeah, you know, I've always w been curious about music. What, what would you, what would you say to them to kick off their journey? Not necessarily to be become a professional or anything, but just to engage with this thing that, that we both love so much. I think, I mean, anyone thinking about it, you should definitely do it full stop. Like what it, the, the like slice of the pie of what it makes of your life can be any number of things, but I don't think anyone that like can play the piano or strum the guitar or do any, play the kazoo regrets <laughs> that time spent. Um, so I endorse it full, full stop. It's, it's one of the best things ever. It's, it is both, uh, time for you introspectively because getting good at something requires practice mm -hmm. and that discipline is i think a super valuable life skill i mean that's why we sometimes impose it upon kids i don't mm -hmm. know if that's always necessarily the best thing <laughs> uh i think i still do it because i was never really forced to do mm -hmm. it um and so it's everything it, it is like both self-care and like ambitious and an independent level. And then if you want to open up the circle, it is a language that you can speak with other people. It is like our connection to others, both in terms of making it uh, and what it takes from you at an interpersonal level in terms of what it means to collaborate, the joy of like making sound with other people in real time. I mean, I feel like there's very few other like pure like caveman experiences that like yes. hold up like that. Like yes. you're doing something that like we are designed to do like, mm -hmm. It, it is it is so nice and then also just the like life skill of collaboration is worth it um mm. like the idea of like i have an idea and like someone else being like that's amazing or someone else being like what if we did this with it too i mean that yeah. is like such valuable whether you're seven or 70 that's like a very good skill set to have of like being able to work in the moment with other people and the joy that comes from doing it i think it's 
music is something that can be for you and you can just sit at home and play the piano or whatever, whatever you want, drum set, insert instrument here. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is also the like, I don't know, trying to like, I, I always try to frame it as a way of like, to like reach out and sort of touch the void like mm-hmm. you know music allows you to be something that's bigger than just you um if you played a show or like wrote a song and like had the blessing of doing something that even just one person liked like i i i, I try to like flip it around i think mm-hmm. of how much music has meant to me mm-hmm. and like you could give that to other people. Yeah. Like if you choose yeah. to make music, that is something that you could also give. Like think of one concert that you liked or one song that you played on, uh, on whatever. And like, that is now something that, uh, you could give to others as a joy that you could give to others. And I think it's really worth doing in every single facet. And it's like, there's just something for everyone of like, if you're sort of like more, uh, computer and technology, uh, minded, like, play with synthesizers or like try to get into that sort of thing if you're more like into craftsmanship i mean there's so many opportunities to like uh, once you can get one notch deeper and realize the like love and labor it takes to make these things that make music i mean it's just such a big tent and there's room for everybody in it and i just couldn't endorse it more because it's the only thing in my life that i like (laughs) am passionate about or know anything about and so this is you're talking with like the ultimate kind of like uh a spokesperson for it 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 has given me everything good in my life i i owe to it from like meeting the people I've been lucky enough to collaborate with to meeting the friends I've been lucky enough to make from it, from taking me around the world. Like music has brought me to every place from Hawaii to London to, I played at the white house. Like it's just bananas. And that's, you know, it's, it it can just bring you so many places, or you can decide that you don't want to do that. And you could just sit at home and try to learn a song that you like or write a song that's been in your head. And it is all of those things in between. And yeah, couldn't love it more. That that's a great place to end, Dom. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. All Thanks of those so much for having me. It's so nice to talk dumb. to you and meet you. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. And hopefully we can uh, meet in, in person someday here. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Would you point people to check out your website? Where where would be a great place for people to kind of keep track of you and, and stay involved? Super easy. I am keyofdom.com and it's keyofdom on social media stuff. I'm not the most active social media person, uh, but that's where you can find me if you want to try and, you know, write a message. It's very easy to also write me a message from my website as well. So yeah, that's very keyofdom. Perfect. And we'll, we'll throw that in the description for this uh, podcast as well. You can find my stuff at scubertdubert.pizza. Sure. Like subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, we'll, uh, we'll pick this up again someday. Hopefully soon. Thanks so much. Thanks Tom. so much. Thanks for talking to you, Scoob. Nice Have to see you. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye.